Did you know that we're exposed to thousands of commercial messages every day? And are you aware that consumers tend to trust what influencers say about brands much more than what brands say about themselves? When brands need to cut through the noise and reach consumers, influencer channels offer an unrivaled space to create genuine, meaningful dialogue and connect directly with consumers on their terms. Welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, a podcast brought to you by Cure Media, a leading influencer marketing company for fashion brands. This is your weekly podcast to understand more about influencer marketing and why it's such a powerful channel when it comes to building trust in your target group. Every Wednesday, we'll cover topics such as how to build a successful influencer marketing strategy, how to measure the effects, the role of influencer marketing in the overall media mix, and of course, the latest trends and insights on what's up in the influencer marketing and social media sphere. And we know you're busy, so every episode is right around 15 minutes. Perfect to tune into on your morning walk, during your morning routine, or on your way to and from work. Join us and our expert guests to stay up to date and take your marketing strategy to the next level with influencer marketing. The world's fastest growing marketing method. I'm Sana Oudmark. And I'm Frida Ekholm. And this is Influencer Marketing Talks. Hi and welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, a podcast brought to you by Cure Media, the leading influencer marketing company for fashion brands. This is your weekly podcast to learn more about influencer marketing and social media in right around 15 minutes. I'm Frida Ekholm and I'm Sana Oudmark and in today's episode we will walk you through the key things that we see digital native brands do just right when it comes to connecting with their audience in a digital age. Things that more traditional brands should study and learn from to keep up with the changing needs and wants of today's consumers. So some background to this topic of today. So we have been doing research, listening to podcasts, digging into interviews with CEOs, CMOs, and investors at so-called digital native rockets, companies that are born digital and that grow at a rapid pace, winning both market shares and the love of their target audience. We have studied what these successful companies have in common when it comes to how to build their marketing strategy and how they choose to communicate to their audience. Yeah, and most of these things will probably not come as a surprise, Before we spill the tea and jump into the results, let's just clarify and say that we're talking about companies with a female target audience and brands that are within segments such as fashion, lifestyle, interior, and home decorations. Here we go. Yeah. The first thing traditional brands should learn from digital native brands is that they know everything there is to know about their target audience. So... This is about that the consumer landscape is changing super fast right now. And as a company, you need to constantly be on your toes to keep up 
with what these consumers and target audience is doing. Definitely. Platforms, the way we consume content, what type of content we want to engage with, our shopping behaviors, like nothing is the same today as it was a couple of years ago. And this may sound obvious, like you need to know your target audience. Yes, we know. <laughs> But this is a critical step that many companies still skip or they think they know their audience so well that they don't need to do more research. But the digital natives, they often have a much better understanding of the exact needs and wants because they are so digital by heart and from the beginning. Yeah. So you need to spend time on the platforms where your target audience is. Is it on TikTok? Is it on Instagram? It can also be small details like do they prefer your brand in stories or do they prefer your brand in feed posts yeah. or long video formats, short video, yeah, and so on. So and how would you say if we would give a recommendations to brand who feel that they there might be more to learn about their audience? What are good ways to do that, would you say? Yeah, so good tips is to interact with them and really get to know them and invite them to, for example, business decisions. Um, use the social platforms that is to talk to them. There are really good options today. There are stickers in stories. You can watch what they're doing in like Reels or TikTok. You can answer their Reels and TikToks. And yeah, you can ask questions, polls. There are stickers. So mm. there's a lot to do to talk to your audience. Yeah, and it can be as simple as just learning how they use emojis. Like if you as a brand use emojis in the wrong way, Studies show that Gen Z can really lose the trust for you or see you as an old company, like yeah. not in the way they want companies to be like. I know for myself that I, I love to use this laughing emoji with tears. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, yeah. the, the crying laughing emoji. Ex yeah. Exactly. But that's, according to Gen Z, the most lame thing to do. <laughs> no, that's my favorite one. <laughs> I know, but we're millennials, so that's probably why. So if you're, if you're talking to the Gen Z generation as a brand, for example, you should avoid things and rather strive for other things. Uh, for example, this laughing, crying emoji. <laughs> so one way to do it also is to, to do real surveys on the markets. Yeah. I know we had... And naked in the studio for the first season, who told us that when they are to enter new markets, they do market research like really deeply on the audience to see how do they seek for information, how do they want to shop, what's important for them, invest time and money to really do this thoroughly. Yeah, good point. And just also note, of course, this is a bit to generalize. There are brands of more traditional, um, traditional brands that do it well as well. But, but this is the big picture. Number two, digital natives focus on peer-to-peer -peer communication rather than brand-to-peer. And we know that today's consumers, like you and me, tend to trust what other people say about a brand much more than what a brand says about themselves. And this is a quite old truth. Still, many companies out there believe that 
they should have the loudest voice and that they should be the messenger of what the brand wants to communicate. Yeah, and examples uh, of peer-to-peer communication is to encourage your customers to engage other customers by promoting a product or service to their friends or family. It could, for example, be invite a friend and get a 10 euro to shop for or yeah, yeah, so on. Yeah. And also, this is very important, I think. It's user-generated content. This is so good for brands to use the content that their customers or influencers create and mm. use it in their own channels, their paid, their website. It's also because it's good to showcase your products because it looks more like in real life. Yeah. It's not a studio photo shoot where you can't see exactly how that dress will look. Exactly. In motion, for example. Yeah. It's real people of different sizes. Yeah. Like real bodies. Yeah. And as many as 84% of millennials report that user-generated content on a company's website, for example, with a product review or something like that, can influence what they buy. So that's a lot. Yeah. I have a good example here. It's when you go to a website, I think many people recognize themselves, and you see like a dress or a jacket or something, and you see that it's a studio picture, and you're like, okay, but how does it really look? Mm. And then you scroll down and you can see like, this is how people wear it. And then you can get up like 10 images of people, like customers or influencers wearing it in different occasions. Yeah. And that's like, oh, okay, that's how it looks. <laughs> and sometimes it makes you not want to buy it. Yeah, yeah, same. And that's also good. Yeah. Not for the brand maybe, but for no. the shopping experience. There's, um, there's room for product development then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another example of peer-to-peer marketing at its best, according to us, is of course, influence marketing. And um, even if this is a channel that is growing a lot and more and more traditional brands are doing it, we can see that compared to the digital natives, they have, just to give you an example, they spend like 90% of their marketing budgets on influencers and only influence marketing, which is a lot compared to, for example, traditional brands who have bigger budgets, much more money to spend but they only put in like 1% or 2% into influencers and expect to see the same results with the channel as these digital natives do. So as a traditional brand, you need to ramp up both in terms of how you use peer-to-peer, but also how you look at the investment compared to, for example, TV, um, radio or other channels that you more traditionally use. Yeah, good point. The next thing traditional brands should learn from digital native brands. Digital native brands have adapted a value-based approach to marketing, which means basically what's in it for me. So consumers and especially Gen Z and also millennials are selective when it comes to what brands to like and engage with. And they want and need brands to add a clear value to their lives that is like a main priority often yeah and this could for example especially for gen z go as far as for to their workplace they want to know what's need for me <laughs> to be here yeah. to show up what can i win <laughs> yeah and yeah that's definitely something brands should consider they need to add value and yeah. It's also about creating a compelling brand story. So telling your audience what's unique about your business and what your company stands for. Yeah. 
And the companies that speak to our hearts today that have a clear why in place, uh, which they also manage to tell us in a meaningful way, based on what they know about their audience, they are the ones that really bloom today. Yeah. Um, because they stand out from the crowd. Yeah. And we remember them yeah. over the longer period. It's like the classic expression that's been here for a long time. Like, what is your product or service? How does it make the co- the consumers' lives easier? Yeah. And that is also something you can build your brand story on because your product should help them with something. Exactly. And it should say something about ourselves. Yeah. Like we want to identify with, yeah. with the brand. And that takes us to number four, Uh, which is very much on the same note. So digital native brands, they have understood the value of building a strong brand community. And this is super important, Uh, perhaps one of the most important things. So they really know that it's a must today to to attract the younger audiences, not only the younger, like (laughs) millennials are not so young anymore. It's like people up to 40 and... Uh, we're growing older as well. Uh, they know that to attract these people, they need to put the community before the product. Yeah. So, and this is based on that it's almost impossible to compete only on product and price today. So, as soon as something newer and cooler pops up, customers will turn to your competitor and like, "Oh, what is yeah. that?" <laughs> Just a click away. Yeah. And if you haven't built up a strong community around yourself that adds something more to their lives, they will look the other way. Yeah, that's a big risk. Uh, because we want brands to be more than brands. We want them to identify or we want to be able to identify with them and with other people that also use them. And here comes the peer-to-peer factor into the picture again. Yeah. And a good example here is the UK fitness brand Gymshark, which is one of the fastest growing fitness apparel brands in the world. And their growth is mostly fueled by their strong community that they have worked a lot on to build around their brand. Yeah, they are definitely our go to example when we talk about brand community. Yeah. Uh, Because their brand platform and all their social channels are loaded with tips, tutorials, exercises, and they collaborate with both like hundreds of influencers, both fitness profiles, but also ordinary people like you and me going to the gym and just want to work out. Um, And this way they position themselves as their members go to source for anything health and fitness related. Yeah. I actually saw a TikTok last night that was like, it was a girl running and she was like standing next to that Gymshark girl motivating myself to run faster. Oh, nice. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. And this makes it easy for customers to decide to purchase their product because they want to strengthen their connection with the fitness community. So that's a reason to buy. Definitely. And of course, there are... Many more examples just in Gymshark, similar examples in Sweden, for example, I would say if we look at the fitness category, we have brands like Amen and Stronger, uh, who actually visited us earlier this year. So listen to episode 12 to hear about Stronger's uh, journey and how they have built up their brand community. Yeah. And this takes us to the fifth thing that traditional brands should learn from digital native brands. 
Digital native brands focus on long-term relationships and they know building relationship takes time. Yes. So instead of doing one big campaign, the fireworks that we talked about, instead they do many, many activations over a long period of time. Yeah. And they have done it from day one, like constantly. Yeah. Never giving up. <laughs> yeah. And being there like always on and top of mind for their consumers when they when they want to buy that uh, fitness hoodie or. Yeah. 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 And I think if we look at the fashion segments and of course also interior home decoration lifestyle, they come from the more traditional way of doing campaigns. When you launch a new product line or a new clothing collection, it's so natural to do a big thing around it. And that's totally fine as well. But yeah. but to to really get the effect, you should combine this with a foundation of always on influencer activations that can build up this presence, this momentum, so that when you decide to drop a big thing, this will become even more noticed and even bigger. Yeah. Good point. So we have reached the final thing, the number six on the list when it comes to what we think traditional brands should learn from digital native brands. So the digital native brands know the importance of scaling all of the above, and they also do it. So it's not enough to just do these things in a small scale, or that's a good start, of course, yeah. but... To really be able to grow like these brands do, you need to do them all the time at a big scale, at big volumes. Uh, yeah, at least that's what the booming digital natives do. Yeah, so a constant presence in their target audience with a high volume of collaboration. They know that it's not enough to just have one influencer marketing strategy in place, but rather have them all in a well thought out mix. Definitely. Yeah. So again, if we look at traditional brands, like even though they do influence marketing, which like every B2C brand today do influence marketing in one way or another, it's very, very different in the way the different brands do it. So often it's a lot about doing a handful of collaborations, a few with mid-size influencers or maybe most common like celebrity influencers with hundreds of thousands of followers um, in a campaign-based way. And obviously, if you do it in this small scale, a couple of years, it will be tough to compete with digital natives that are doing like 50 to hundreds of influencer collaborations per month, always measuring and calibrating, optimizing to see which influencers delivered the best results. Yeah. So there's the difference between influence marketing and the influence marketing. Yeah, it is. And we know for a fact that one of the biggest growing digital native brands, they do not only do hundreds of collaborations per month, they do thousands, especially around the big seasons, the big peaks. Uh, so they do a constant presence. And when it's time to ramp up, they increase the volume even more. Um, so yeah, you need to do it at a big scale. Yeah. So to summarize this episode, Frida, uh, what would you say? I would say the big difference we've seen is that traditional brands that are focusing on increasing their online business are often stuck in more traditional marketing strategies 
and they put only a small percentage of their budget in influence marketing. Yeah, that's I would say also is the big the biggest difference. Yeah, and also traditional companies trying to keep up need to accelerate and scale their influence marketing efforts to be able to keep up with the digital rockets. And they also need to understand that they won't stand a chance in the future just by trying out influencer marketing on a small campaign basis or just by spending well, 1% of their marketing spend on yeah. influencers. And it's fun because we can see now that there are more and more traditional retailers that are following the footsteps of digital native brands and adapting their marketing efforts and budgets in the same way. Yeah. And it will be really exciting to see how influence marketing will develop in the near future, especially yeah. for those traditional brands that gotta, they gotta be there. Yeah, there's so much potential. Yeah. They're doing great things. It's just a matter of making their audience see them and connect with them yeah. even more. Sadly, this takes us to the end of another episode of Influence Marketing Talks. Make sure you follow us on our social media platforms at Cure Media to continue the conversation there. And also, if you like the podcast, give us a rating in Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. <laughs>